would, keep your Bibles open in John chapter number 20. I do want to thank you all for being here this morning. Um, it's already been a blessing to be able to sing praises to our God and raise our voices loud and high and um, lift up the name of Jesus. We know that he alone is worthy of the type of praise that we give, and, uh, and, and yet the, we lift our voices up fully, and it still doesn't reach the capacity of his worth and his value. And uh, though we give everything that we have and uh, pour ourselves out, um, God graciously receives it, but it still doesn't begin to touch what he deserves. And uh, we, are, we, are, we are grateful that he is a gracious and kind God, and that he loves us and cares for us and receives our flawed worship. This morning, I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about the resurrection. Obviously, it's Easter, and we uh, celebrate Jesus Christ being no longer being in the grave. And uh, he rose again the third day, and he accomplished, um, he, he won. He won the battle. And uh, he won the battle over Satan, he won the battle over sin, he won the battle over death, he won the battle over hell, and he, and he did it all for us. And uh, he did it for the sake of those who would believe and, and trust in him. He did it for those who would embrace him. And, and, and whether it be at that point in time his disciples, or whether it be the 120 immediately after that, or whether it be us today, um, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was made suf sufficiently to satisfy God's wrath on behalf of all of those who would believe and trust in him. And our plea with you this morning um, is to embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, there's nothing more important. There's nothing more significant in life. There's no bigger decision that you make um, than who you're going to follow and who is going to be your master. And so... This morning, I'd like to talk to you for a little bit about what are some of the results or what is one key result of being a Christian or of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What did he come to accomplish? And, um, and we know that there's a lot that Jesus Christ came to accomplish, but there's one central theme that I want to draw out of our text in, um, in, in John 20, verses 19, down to the end of the chapter. And it's a simple phrase that is made, it's said three times um, Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, he makes this statement several times, but in this text, he says it three times, and it, and it goes along well with what we talked about last week. We talked last week about why the, why the people um, on Palm Sunday um, celebrated Jesus and, and just less than a week later rejected him. And the Bible tells us back in Luke chapter number 19 that the reason that they rejected Jesus Christ is that they did not know the way of peace. They did not know the path of peace. They did not know the person of peace. In other words, the, the people who were there were, were looking for peace, but they were looking for peace in all, all of the wrong places. It's not much, much different than we are today. Uh, most of us desire to have peace. We desire to have peace with our mate. We desire to have peace with our children. We desire to have uh, peace with our boss. And we desire to have a world peace and, and, and governmental peace. We de desire peace. And we search for it. We strive for it. We, uh, we do whatever we can to bring it about. 
But ultimately, the problem today is very similar as it was 2,000 years ago, and that is simply we don't know the way of peace. We don't know the person of peace. And if we're going to have peace in our marriage, and if we're going to have peace in our homes, and we're going to have peace in our finances, and we're going to have peace in our world, it's not going to come by uh, finding it in other things other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let me read a few verses to you to give you an idea of what it's like. Luke 19, verse 42 says, Would to you, even you, that you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 59, 8, the Bible says, The way of peace they do not know. And then in Romans 3 and verse 17, it it repeats Isaiah 59 and verse 8, the way of peace they do not know. And yet at the same time, one of the things that we see consistently throughout the Gospels is Jesus Christ, and especially in John 14 through 16, Jesus Christ says to them, my peace I give to you, and my peace I leave with you. Let not your heart be troubled, Why are you afraid? Why are you weeping? These are statements that are made all throughout the gospel because Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. He is the one who came to bring peace into our hearts. Ezekiel 37 verse 26 says, and I will make a covenant of peace with them and it will be an everlasting covenant with them And I will set on them their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. When Jesus Christ is being described in Luke chapter number one at his birth, the Bible says this about his purpose. His purpose is to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide their feet into the way of peace. And in John 16, 33, he says, I have said to the, these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ came to bring peace. He came to bring a special peace. He came to bring an eternal peace. He came to bring real peace. And why we seek for peace in all of the wrong places this morning, I would like to present to you why it is possible for us to truly have peace. After he is resurrected from the dead, again, we see it three times in the text that we've just read. We also go back in in Luke and and in the other gospels, and Jesus says a number of times, or um, he says, peace be with you. After his resurrection, one of the first things that he says to his disciples is, peace be with you. It's a statement, almost an expectation. We know that when Jesus Christ rises from the dead, Mary runs to the tomb, and what's the first thing that Jesus says to Mary? It's not peace be with you, if that's what you were thinking. (laughs) He says, why are you weeping? It's another way of phrasing the same question, isn't it? Why are you crying? Why are you sorrowful? What I have done is here to bring you peace, to bring you comfort, to bring you strength. 
When Jesus Christ stood before his disciples after his resurrection, he says a number of times in the Gospels, he says, why are you afraid? Or do not be afraid. The resurrection accomplishes peace. It brings to fulfillment peace. And it's not just, it, it, it's, it's a peace that we can experience in, in, in our daily lives. It's a peace that we can experience with our, with, our, with, our, with our mate. It's a peace that we can experience with our children. It's a peace that doesn't just stop uh, in salvation, but it continues to affect and impact our lives every single day. It's an eternal peace. It's an internal peace. The Bible tells us in Luke in, in, in Philippians chapter number four, he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and, and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the peace that he brings. That's the peace that he purchased. That's the peace that he administered when he rose from the grave the third day. He began to go around and he began to administer this peace into the hearts and lives of his people. And he, and he starts with his disciples and he, peace be with you. And then he goes on to the 120 and then, and then they go on into the world and, and their job and their calling and, and our job and our calling today is to, is to be peace in this world. There, there is so much turmoil. There is so much conflict. Christians ought not to be there. It is sad when we look at the numbers the statistics in our world today not just the people in the world but statistics of people who Sit in churches every Sunday. Statistics of divorce. Statistics of children rebelling against their parents. Statistics of war and fighting, not in the world system, but in the church's system. Statistics of broken churches, split churches, fighting churches. Jesus Christ came to bring peace, true peace. You, you may be sitting here this morning and, and you may be like, Pastor John, I don't have any peace. Jesus came to give you peace. Give you peace in your heart. True and real peace. Lasting peace. James 3 and verse 18, the Bible says this, and the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Jesus Christ came to bring peace. Peace. And when he rose again on the third day and he defeated everything that is opposed to peace. And he defeated it on our behalf. Why? So that we could have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but, but be of good cheer. For I, Jesus, have overcome the world. I want to give you six things this morning. If you like to take notes, I try to be somewhat systematic in my, in my teaching so you can take notes as you go. But I want to try to unpack this for you, this idea of peace. My, my heart's desire, my passion this morning is, is that you would leave this service with peace in your heart. If you're not having peace inside, and that peace inside that's lacking is, is resulting in not peace in your marriage and not peace with your children and not peace with your life, I hope that you'll leave here with peace with those things as well. 
Let us not be so foolish as to think that we have peace inside, but all of our relationships are falling apart. Oftentimes, the relational, the relations that are falling apart, the relations that lack peace are a result of the fact that there's no peace inside here. Man, we need to start right here, amen? We need to get down to the core of what the problem is, and it is the lacking of peace in our hearts. When you get that peace right, your relationships will be okay. First of all, the portrait of peace. What, what does peace look like? And we know that Jesus Christ is the, uh, Jesus Christ is the epitome of peace, right? So there's a storm, the waves, are, the waves are beating against the ship, the ship's falling apart, and what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping, right? Okay, that's peace. <laughs> right? Those storms and those waves, they all mean to us problems. They all mean to us difficulty. They all mean to us hardship. And Jesus Christ, in the midst of that situation, is asleep in the bottom of the boat. Right? That's peace. Jesus is the epitome of peace. The word here in the Greek literally means to be united, to be quiet and restful, to be brought together as one. It carries with it the idea of tranquility. And sometimes we need a tranquilizer, right? To get that tranquility. Go watch an animal on the, the animal planet and they shoot that animal with a tranquilizer, and that animal becomes what? Peaceful. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter how wild that animal is. You can shoot a bear with a tranquilizer, and that bear will become... That's what Jesus can do. That's what Jesus can do. He can take a life that is totally ripped apart in full, full out turmoil. And you can have the tranquilizer of Jesus Christ and you will be at peace. It's amazing. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a hundred times, people's lives who were totally turned around by the grace of our God. And we have people sitting here today that could testify to that. Tranquility, harmony, oneness. Another dictionary gives the term the meaning of freedom from disturbance, quietness, and tranquility. Another says it is the freedom from war and violence. As I was wrestling through this text and looking at this idea of peace and what Christ brings to us, the Garden of Eden came to mind and how they walked in the garden each day and they fellowshiped with God and there was no evil and there was no sin and there was no wrong there. There was no opposition. The animals were kind and friendly. There wasn't this cycle, uh, this circle of life where one animal ate another animal and that animal, this, this was not there. It was this peaceful environment, this perfect environment. What's amazing about the Garden of Eden, immediately when you introduce sin into the Garden of Eden, you know what happens? Adam and Eve immediately are at war with God, and they are immediately at war with each other, right? Immediately. You don't hide from somebody that you're at peace with. 
And right away when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they ran and and hid themselves from God. Immediately when you introduce sin into a scenario, a situation, you are introducing into that situation a lack of peace. And that is why Jesus Christ came to give us peace. Not only did Adam and Eve begin to conflict with each other, they began to conflict with God, but some of their first children are the first murders in the Bible. Cain murders his brother Abel. There was a lack of peace, a lack of tranquility. Peace is the restoration of a broken relationship. It is the essence of the absence of sinful, fallen humanity. Peace comes when we have righteousness. And when we have sin, peace is far from us. Peace is the absence of fear. It is the absence of worry. It is the absence of frantic living. It is the absence of the troubled heart. I think of what Jesus says in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And you know the rest of it. Peace is the absence of fear, worry, frantic living, or troubled heart. Fear is an fear or or peace is an internal sense of security, confidence, and safety. Let me say that again. Fear is an internal sense of security, confidence, and safety. It is when you know that you don't have an enemy. John 14, verse 1, I read it, I just quoted it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace is the lack of fear and the lack of trouble in life. This is what Jesus Christ came to bring This is what Jesus Christ accomplished when he rose again the third day. He accomplished peace for his people. If you have, if you would like to, you can join me in Ephesians chapter number two. Galatians, Ephesians. Somewhat to the back of your Bibles. The Bible says in verse 14, for he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace, who hath made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us to both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and peace to you who were near. For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
When you know those as a reality, there's this internal rest that says, I have nothing to fear. If you know that God is your father and Jesus Christ is your savior and Lord, there's a peacefulness inside of you. There's a, there's a confidence, there's a security and a surety inside of you that causes you to walk through life in humility. Did you know that humility is actually more associated with peace or peace is more associated with humility than it is with pride? The world will tell you the opposite. You wanna have peace, be really proud. The Lord will tell you the opposite. Do You wanna have peace, be humble. But you can't be humble if you don't have peace. The Lord breaks down these walls through his son, Jesus Christ. So what is peace? It's the absence of fear, worry, frantic living, troubled hearts. It's an internal thing that only God can bring. Number two, the pressure of peace. The pressure of peace. Why do we need peace? Why do we need to have peace? peace. And I want to just give you a few thoughts here on this very quickly. We need peace because we have an enemy. Okay? We need peace because we have an enemy. And the reason that we have an enemy is because we are sinful. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 59 in verse 1 and 2, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities or your sins have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And if you go to Romans chapter number three, I'll read some verses from there. It really gives us the extent of our sinfulness. The Bible says in verse number 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. Listen to this part. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why do we need to have peace? Because we've sinned. We've broken God's law. And we could go through the Ten Commandments and list every one of those commandments. And, and, and most of us in here who are, are honest with ourselves would have to say that we have broken every one of God's commandments. We'll say, we say, Pastor John, I, I've, never, I've never murdered before. And I know that's one of those commandments in there, thou shalt not murder. And you know what? Jesus deals with that in the New Testament when he says, if you ever hate somebody, it's the same as murdering them. Jesus makes it clear that there is no law that we have not broken. The Bible even says in the book of James that if you've broken one part of God's law, you've broken all parts of God's law. Matter of fact, the idea of 10 commandments could really be consolidated into one commandment. It is one commandment. That's why you break one commandment, you break all commandments, because it is a commandment of God. It is the commandment of God. We have sin. We have broken God's law. And because we have broken God's law, this is second point of the pressure. Listen to me. We have an enemy. 
And I want you to note this. This is the second thought underneath the pressure of peace. The enemy that we have is unstoppable. The problem with most of us is this. We think our enemy is the devil. The issue is the Bible teaches that our enemy is God. This is serious. We, we need peace. We have an enemy that is unstoppable. We have an enemy that has never lost a battle. We have an enemy that is 1,000% just and holy in everything that he does. We need peace. It's like going up against somebody in battle and knowing that you have 0% chance of winning. You need peace. Listen, folks, we need to identify who our enemy is so that we can make peace with our enemy through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our enemy is unstoppable. The Bible says in Philippians 3.18 that, that we are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Those who are lost are the enemies of the cross of Christ. In Romans 5 and verse 10, it calls us enemies of God. In James 4 and verse 4, it calls the lost hostile towards God. In Romans 8 and verse 7, it calls the lost hostile towards God. This is no simple thing. The lost are opposed to God. They may not be opposed to the God of their imaginations, but they are opposed to the God of the Bible. What's the pressure to peace? You're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. And God is holy, and God is just, and God is unstoppable. Number three, under the pressure, our judgment is final, and our judgment is eternal. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And that's not just talking about this life being gone. It talks about an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. This is serious. This is no small thing. The resurrection happened so that you could have peace. You have no excuse. I have no excuse. The peace treaty is there. It's laid out for us in the gospel. We just have to embrace it and believe in it and trust in the one who sealed it with his own blood. Revelation 20 and verse 15 says, and if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, they shall be thrown into the lake of fire. Oh, what a horrible day that will be for those who have not bowed their knee to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and experienced peace with God. Number three, what is the price of peace what is the price of peace? The Bible says this, Isaiah 53 and verse five. He was pierced. Jesus Christ was being spoken of here. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
Upon Jesus Christ was the chastisement, was the punishment that we deserved. Jesus Christ bore our sins on his own body. And God in heaven poured out the cup of his wrath on Jesus. And it was by the purchase of Jesus Christ's blood that we can enter into the presence of God and find peace and favor with him. Jesus Christ experienced the full expression of God's anger towards sin. And he he did it, according to Isaiah 53, not for his own sin. Matter of fact, all throughout the New Testament, it's made very clear that Jesus Christ never sinned. He didn't die for his own sins, my friends. He died for my sins. And if you will embrace him by faith, He died for your sins. Colossians 1, 19 and 20, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, that through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In verse 16, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the, co- through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. What is the price of peace? So get this, everything good that Jesus Christ ever did is credited to you. Doesn't make any sense, does it? You say, Pastor John, that doesn't make any sense. I understand that. I understand how hard it is to understand, how hard it is to receive. It is something that God has to open our eyes to. It is a miracle to understand and believe that these are truths, but these are God, these are things that God's word teaches us. He actually takes all of our sins, all of our guilty record, and he says, let's put that on Jesus' account. And then he takes all of Jesus' good deeds, and he says, let's put them on John's account. And now every day, Jesus, every day God treats me as if I had done everything that Jesus did. And he treated Jesus as if he had done everything that I did. You say, that's not fair. Well, you know something that's nice? We're not the judge of fair. God is. God is the epitome of fair. So if you want to understand fair, look at God. If you want to understand God, don't try to look at fair. God is the essence of fair. So he packages his righteousness in his spirit and then he gives it to us. Romans 5 and verse 19 says, For if by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What amazing promise. Oh my goodness. Listen to what he says. We read this text earlier. John 20, 20 and 21. Jesus said unto them, peace be with you. Amen? Peace be with you. As the Father hath sent me, even so I am sending you. 
And after he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that is? It's another way of saying, peace be with you. It's like, peace be with you, and now I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to breathe into you the life of Christ. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, and with him indwells all of the fullness of everything that we ever needed to walk in peace internally. Christians should be the most restful people that exist upon the face of the earth. And listen, if you're not saved this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, the offer of peace is for you. The gospel is for you as well. Embrace what Jesus Christ has done. Embrace it as being for you. Number five, the the procuring of peace. So the question, we're gonna come down to the end here. How do we get this peace? So if the peace comes through Jesus Christ who dies and then it comes through the Holy Spirit who indwells, how do we get the peace of God? I wanna give you three thoughts on this very quickly. Number one, acknowledge your sinful condition. Acknowledge your unworthiness. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All he asks of you this morning is this. Confess that you don't deserve it. Right? It's like somebody that comes up to you and they demand that you give them something. You're not very likely to give them that, are you? Well, you owe me. If, you, if somebody comes up to you today and they get on their knees and they just like plead with you that they have this deep, great need and they have no ability to to solve that problem, and they have no money to pay for it, but they are pleading with you to solve it, would you not do whatever you could to find a way to solve that problem? When we come to God and we recognize our sins and we fall on our knees before him, he is a gracious and merciful God, and he will figure it out. He already did. What does he say for us to do? Embrace that you're unworthy. Embrace that you're undeserving. Embrace that you're sinful. Humble yourselves. For the Bible says those who are humbled, he will exalt. God gives grace to the humble. But he is the enemy of the proud. Acknowledge our sinful condition. Number two, accept Jesus Christ by faith. In other words, acknowledge that Jesus Christ's blood was sufficient to pay for your sins, that he died specifically for you, and embrace his death personally and receive the salvation that he gives and do it by faith. Titus 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, he saved us not because of works that we have done of righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing and regenerating and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, not of works so that no one will boast. Accept Jesus Christ. Embrace what Jesus Christ did for you. Embrace it. Believe it. Trust it. Walk in obedience to it. And then number three, ask. Ask. 
Ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the, in the Gospels, if you, know how to, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him for it? Ask and you will see, receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened unto you. These are promises from God's word. Bow down before him and acknowledge that you're unworthy, you're undeserving. You have been left to fix your life and you've made it worse. Acknowledge that and admit it. And then know that once you place your life into his hands, he will not make it worse. He says this, Romans 10 and verse 11, those who trust in Jesus, those who place their faith in Jesus will never be ashamed. You'll never be ashamed of it. If you're a Christian this morning and you've placed your faith in Christ, you've never been ashamed of that. That's a promise of internal peace and security in Christ. Ask and he will give it to you. Some of us are so proud and self-righteous and self-sufficient, we figure we're going to work it out on our own. You can't. You can't. The Bible says it's as impossible for you to work out your salvation as it is for a leper to change his spots. It's as impossible for you to change your spiritual condition as it is for a leper to become a different animal. But what's impossible for man is possible with God. He can take your soul and turn it around. Listen, he can take your marriage and do the same. He can take your children and do the same. His miracle working power doesn't stop at salvation. It starts at salvation. It's amazing how quick we are as Christians to put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, but we can't trust him for the daily things. Man, listen, if he can save your soul, there's nothing he can't do. Ask him for it. James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. And in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lastly, this morning is the pursuit of peace. If you're a Christian, if you know the Lord is your Savior, you should be pursuing peace every day of your life. Peace inside, first and foremost. You've got to have peace in your heart. You've got to know who you are because of what Christ has done for you. That has to be figured out first, but then once that figured, that's figured out, then you should be able to pursue peace with other people. Listen to what the word of God says. Psalm 34 and 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Romans 14, 19. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. 1 Peter 3, 11, Let him turn from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. He, uh, Romans 12, 18, if possible, so much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. And then Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Jesus Christ came to bring peace. Peace of heart, peace of community. He came to be, bring peace because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace.
you're here today and you are truly at war, and you know it, you're at war on the inside, you're at war on the outside, every relationship that you have turns into a war, folks, listen to me. You may be at war with God. You ever have somebody in a situation, they're in an argument with somebody else, I'm arguing with Ron, and I, I, we have this really intense argument, right? We, we do, really, we don't really like each other. <laughs> Just kidding. So if we're really angry, so then we just have this blow-up argument, and I run out the room, and I just push everybody away, and I'm just like really mad at everybody in this entire room. Has anybody in this room done anything to me? But do you know that, that this war creates a war everywhere else? And listen to me, this war creates a war everywhere else. That's the reason our world is in such turmoil it's not because we hate each other. It's because people hate God. And what we need to do today, folks, we need to bow our knee to the one who can bring true, lasting, internal, and eternal peace. And that is Jesus Christ. And he says to his disciples and he says to us, my peace I leave with you. And he left it, when he ascended into heaven, he left us his peace in his Holy Spirit. And that's the peace, listen, that's the peace that you can have this morning. You can have it in your relationships, you can have it in your marriage, you can have it in your heart, you can have it, but you must have Jesus to have peace. The Bible tells us in 1 John, he who has the Son has life. And he who has the son, this is my addition. And he who has the son has peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the peace that you bring through and in Jesus Christ's sacrifice and your Holy Spirit coming to live within us. And I pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't know Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they would bow their knee today, acknowledge their sinfulness and their unworthiness and their deserving of your wrath, and, and that they would bow to you and pray and ask for peace through Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that as we are claiming to have Christ in our hearts, that we would manifest that by pursuing peace in our marriages, in our relationships, in all areas of life, Lord, that we would pursue peace knowing that the Prince of Peace lives inside of us. I pray that you would be with all of those who are here today. Bless, encourage, and strengthen them for your glory and by your grace in Christ's name. Amen.